Welcome to The Reimagined, a podcast where we take a remake or reboot and compare it to its original. Who did better? Why? Which one was received better critically? What was added in the remake that made it work? What was changed that made it flop? We'll find out. We will be discussing plot, production, reception, and analyzing the differences of each film. If you have not seen the films we are discussing, please go see them and come right back. I am Hannah Chan, your host. And today we are back with another Disney remake, discussing the 1992 animated film Aladdin, directed by John Musker and Ron Clements, and its 2019 live-action remake directed by Guy Ritchie. The animated Aladdin is the fourth project of the Renaissance era, when Disney went back to making animated films adapting from existing stories in 1989 to 1999. It received great success and is the only Disney princess movie where the princess is the side character. On the other hand, critics were not as kind to the live action. I think the remake attempted to give the characters more layers and updated the characters' motivations, but it didn't quite hit the spot. It brought something new to the table, but it was not sufficient to surpass the great shadow of the animated original. Keep listening to find out why. You were caught in a dance. You were lost in the trance of another Arabian night. Arabian nights like Arabian days. More often than not, are hotter than hot in a lot of good ways. First, I want to talk about the summaries of the films to get everyone up to speed. In the city of Agrabah, Aladdin is a poor kid who lives on the streets with his monkey companion, Abu. He runs into Princess Jasmine on the streets who escaped from the palace because she is expected to marry a prince. Aladdin is captured by the palace guards under the orders of the Grand Vizier Jafar. He identifies Aladdin as the diamond in the rough, who is the only one that is worthy to enter the Cave of Wonders. He tempts Aladdin to enter the cave to retrieve a magic lamp. Aladdin finds a magic flying carpet to help him obtain the lamp, and almost escapes the cave before it collapses, but Jafar throws him back in. Trapped in the cave, Aladdin rubs the lamp and summons the omnipotent genie who resides in it. Genie explains that he can grant Aladdin three wishes. Aladdin tricks Genie into getting them out of the cave without the first wish and uses the first wish to become a prince to woo Jasmine. Aladdin arrives Agrabah as Prince Ali of Ababwa, but fails to impress Jasmine and even angers her. He takes her on a magical carpet ride and they have a heart-to-heart moment. When Jasmine questions his true identity, Aladdin lies to Jasmine, insisting that he is the prince who arrived in Agrabah early to explore the city as a peasant. Jafar finds out about Aladdin's true identity and orders for him to be thrown in the water. Genie saves Aladdin at the cost of his second wish. Aladdin exposes Jafar of his evil plot of controlling the Sultan. But Jafar steals the lamp and becomes Genie's new master. Jafar uses his first two wishes to become Sultan and the most powerful sorcerer. Aladdin taunts Jafar for being less powerful than Genie, tricking him into using his last wish to become a Genie but at the same time bounds him to a lamp and traps him in it. Agrabah returns to his original state 
And Genie advises Aladdin to use his last wish to become royalty, but he uses it to free Genie instead. Jasmine and Aladdin marry, and Genie explores the world. Before discussing further about the film, I want to talk about where the animated version took inspiration from. Aladdin is a folktale of Middle Eastern origins. It is associated to 1001 Nights. However, it is not a part of the collection despite popular belief. It has no authentic Arabic textual source. The tale is originally called Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp. It was later added to the French translation of 1001 Nights by Antoine Galland. It has many variations and adaptions, from books, comics, musical theater, and films. From the folktale, Aladdin is a poor young boy living in one of the cities in China. He is recruited by a sorcerer who disguises as Aladdin's uncle, pretending to be a wealthy merchant to retrieve a wonderful oil lamp from a magical cave. The sorcerer double-crosses Aladdin and traps him in the cave. However, Aladdin is still wearing a magical ring that the sorcerer lent him. When he rubs his hands in despair, he rubs the rings and the genie appears. The genie gets Aladdin out of the cave back to his mother. They plan to sell the lamp. In an attempt to clean it, a more powerful genie appears and is bound to serve whoever possesses the lamp. With the help of the genie, Aladdin becomes rich and marries the sultan's daughter. The sorcerer hears about Aladdin's fortune and returns. He tricks Aladdin's wife into exchanging the lamp for a new one, who is unaware of the importance of the lamp. The sorcerer orders the genie to take away everything that belongs to Aladdin. Aladdin summons the genie of the ring. Although he is unable to undo the magic of the genie of the lamp, he can transport Aladdin to where the sorcerer is. With the help of the princess, Aladdin takes back the lamp, slays the sorcerer, and takes back everything. But the story does not end there. The sorcerer's more powerful brother wants to avenge his brother's death. He disguises himself as an old woman with healing powers, so the princess will command her to stay in case of any illnesses. The genie of the lamp warns Aladdin of the danger, and he slays the sorcerer's brother. Lastly, Aladdin succeeds the throne and becomes sultan. It's pretty interesting that the tale setting starts with a city in China, but the rest of the story has no relations to any Chinese term or culture, such as using the term sultan instead of emperor. However, China's territory has always included Muslim groups in areas bordering the Middle East. The original tale had an inappropriate message that having everything you ever wish for is a good thing and having it taken away is bad. As you can see, the animated film and live action did not stray too much away from the original folktale. The material motivation of Aladdin stays the same, to become wealthy. The antagonist's action and motivations are pretty much the same as well, but their position in court and what happens to them at the end varies. The princess is renamed to Jasmine. The two genies from the tale were combined into one who grants only three wishes. They all have added motivations. However, the animated film and live-action's theme spin it as making a wish could backfire, and they focus more on the character's internal struggles and identity instead of materialistic fulfillment. Like me. <laughs> Join 
if it's your restaurant, then I'm your melody. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir, we pride ourselves on... Following The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin took a turn with a more humorous and adventurous narrative. Largely hand-drawn, a brand new combination of conventional and computer animation was used to create the magic carpet. The rectangle and tassels were hand-drawn, computer enhancements maintained the texture and pattern designs throughout the magic carpet's many movement and forms. The genie was written for Robin Williams. Director Ron Clements said that right from the start. Director Ron Clemens said that right from the start, they saw Genie as a very special character, and the concept of him being able to change form constantly exists right from the beginning. They wrote the script specifically for Robin Williams. There were many ideas for Genie's image, with turbans, vests, etc. Fun fact, Genie's body shape is based on the letter S. They wanted him to look like a wisp of smoke. The image was influenced by the Thief of Baghdad a British Technicolor film released in 1940. The film borrows elements of the original Aladdin folktale but deviates a lot and created a new story freely. Many elements in Aladdin were inspired by the Thief of Baghdad, such as the name Jafar and Abu. It is in this version that the genie grants three wishes and the main villain became the vizier of the sultan named Jafar, replacing the sorcerer from the original folktale. Other than creating the role of genie for Robin Williams, he also improvised nearly all of Genie's lines. The animator took the recording of Williams' performance and narrowed it down to about 60 different characters. Genie supervising animator Eric Goldberg said that Williams spoiled them for choice. They could go in without about three script pages and come out with four hours of material. That's just amazing. Some impressions were unfortunately cut out for being political, including an impression of then-President George Bush. Despite the great success of the character, and in my opinion, it was Genie who made Alan so enjoyable and successful, Robin Williams had a falling out with Disney because of how the film was marketed. Williams' pay for voicing Genie was $75,000, instead of his asking price of $8 million. Disney and Williams struck out a deal that Williams' name and image would not be used for marketing, and his character would not take more than 25% of space on advertising work. Williams wasn't interested in selling anything. However, for financial reasons, Disney went back on both accounts of the deal. Although Williams' name was not used, his voice for Genie was used considerably to sell toys and fast food tie-ins. Without having to pay Williams any additional money, this resulted in Williams not working with Disney for quite a while. This is particularly sad because Aladdin began popularizing the trend of celebrities in animated movies, which is exactly why Williams did not want his name to be used. He agreed to sign on to the film because he wanted to be a part of the animation tradition of voice acting. Interestingly, Aladdin's character was based on Tom Cruise in Top Gun, because during production, while Jasmine's personality was becoming more defined, they wanted more confidence and cockiness to Aladdin's character. Michael J. Fox was originally the inspiration. Hmm. Ooh, shade. What are they trying to say about Michael J. Fox, huh? Now, let's talk about the production of the 2019 remake. Part of the film was shot in the studio of England, and another part was shot in the desert of Jordan. An expansive set was built in Surrey, England, to bring the city of Agrabah to life. 
such as the markets and the palace. Initially, there was talk filming in Morocco. The production designer Gemma Jackson said, "In the end, I think it's great that we didn't film in Morocco because I think I was freer just to pull things from where I wanted them. I didn't just have to be Moroccan. I could go anywhere I liked in my imagination." This quote gave me flashback to when I was researching for Mulan. Why is Disney allowing these white designers to appropriate cultural elements like their accessories when they hold cultural significance? <sighs> Moving on, originally the studio expressed that the remake would have an ambitious and non-traditional take of a land with a non-linear format. That didn't. Casting-wise, Disney went on a worldwide search for a diverse cast, especially their lead roles Aladdin and Princess Jasmine. Will Smith is first casted as Genie. However, the production of Aladdin was pushed back for a month because they couldn't find the right actor to play the titular role. The producers expressed that finding a male lead of Middle Eastern or Indian descent in his twenties who can act and sing had proven to be difficult. Finally, in July of 2017, it was announced that Mina Masood would star as Aladdin and Naomi Scott as Princess Jasmine. However, the decision to cast Scott drew criticism and accusations of colorism, as some expected the role to go to an actress of Arab or Middle Eastern origins. While Scott is the daughter of an English father and a Gujarati Ugandan Indian mother. Also, it was revealed in January 2018 that white extras were being applied with makeup in order to blend in during filming. Really, Disney? Brown facing? Disney responded to this controversy that, with only in a handful of instances when it was a matter of specialty skills, safety, and control, where crew members wore makeup to blend in. What do you think about that? It doesn't sit right with me. Will Smith's genie is made with heavy CGI. Contrary to how Williams was given liberty to improvise, improvisation is relatively rare on the set of Aladdin 2019. Working with director Guy Ritchie means primarily sticking to the script. However, Ritchie gave the actors liberty to create the characters with their own backgrounds, especially Will Smith. Who brought his hip hop background to Genie and gave him a little Fresh Prince of Bel Air flavor? There are some improv scenes that made it to the final cut of the film. Will Smith improvised throughout the film. How can you not when the original Genie was literally Robin Williams himself? But more on that later. The whole scene where Prince Ali and Genie meet the royal family for the first time was improvised by the entire cast. Also. Alan Menken, who composed the scores for the original animated film, was brought back to compose for the remake. That's just exciting news, cause you know the music's gonna be good. Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Ababwa. Show some respect, boy, can you flex? Down on one knee. Now try your best to stay calm. Brush up your Friday salon. Then come and meet a spectacular coterie. Prince Ali, mighty as he, Ali Ababwa, strong as ten regular men, definitely. <laughs> He's faced a galloping horse, a hundred bad guys with swords. Who sent those ghouls to their lord? My Prince Ali. 
Overall, the 1992 Elan received pretty good reviews, with some accusation of whitewashing and orientalism. It is also compared to Beauty and the Beast a lot, as it is the project that immediately follows the success of the 1991 classic retell of the French fairy tale. Our first episode is on Beauty and the Beast and its 2017 remake, so if you want to hear more about that, please go visit episode 1. Ollie Richards from Empire said, The movie that brought a hip new sensibility to animated features and which still stands up in the age of Pixar and DreamWorks thanks largely to blistering improv turn from Robin Williams. Brian Laurie from Variety said, Florally beautiful, shamelessly derivative and infused with an irreverent, sophisticated comic flair thanks to Robin Williams' vocal calisthenics. Aladdin probably won't equal to its beastly predecessor, but should still enjoy a magic carpet ride. Aladdin 1992 broke Disney's records for its box office performance and VHS sales, grossing over $217 million domestically and over $504 million worldwide. Aladdin became the most successful Disney movie at the time. With VHS, it sold over 10.6 million copies in its first week when it was released and eventually over 25 million copies. For accolades, it received five Academy Awards nominations, all on sound, and won Best Original Song for A Whole New World and Best Original Score. On top of that, A Whole New World is the only Disney song to win a Grammy for Song of the Year. As for how Aladdin 2019 was received, William Bibiani from The Rap said, The original Aladdin was an innovative motion picture, heralding a new era of CG-assisted animation and celebrity stunt casting. It was bold and exciting. The remake rehashes the original in a pleasing but perfunctory way. Daniel Lin from Empire said, Another lavish and largely entertaining Disney redo. With strong turns from Masood and Scott, but apparently for someone playing a huge powerful entity, Trapped in a tiny ornament, Smith's genie performance feels disappointingly constrained both by overdependence on the original and some ghastly CGI. Many praises the performance by Masood and Scott for their reinterpretation of Alan and Jasmine. Critics also applauded the film for cutting the lines Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. From the reinterpretation. However, some stereotypes were still kept. Like when Jasmine stole bread for the kids, the vendor threatened to cut off her hand. Moreover, poor and villainous characters have accents, while the protagonists are accent-free. This is a questionable choice. When the trailer of Aladdin first came out in February 2019, people on the internet really attacked the image of Will Smith's genie and made a lot of memes from it. Some tweets about it are really funny. At Kyle Buchanan said, The Will Smith genie makes me feel the same way I feel when a celebrity dies. Nauseous, sad, and like, I can't wait to tell everybody about it. He also tweeted, Honestly, the Will Smith genie feels like a spoiler for Bird Box, because I finally understand what image would make them so fascinated, but also want to kill themselves. Some even made the parallel of Smith's genie to Tobias, played by David Cross in Arrested Development, when he was auditioning for the Blue Man Group and some people in the Spy Kids. 
If you've never seen Arrested Development, I will put a picture of Will Smith's genie and the character Tobias side by side so you can see what people are talking about. It's kind of spot on. <laughs> Overall, most critics agree that the original animated film is far more entertaining than a remake. Since the film raised questions for its authenticity to the culture it is interpreting, I think it is only fair to see how Middle Eastern critics view the film. Maha Abadrawi wrote an article on Digital Spy all about it. I'll be paraphrasing and quoting from her article, How does a Middle Eastern critic feel about Aladdin? Answer, conflicted. Right off the bat, she mentions how the animated Aladdin has a special place in her heart because it is the first positive representation of Middle Eastern and North African people. However, since its release in 1992, it has remained the only few. When the remake was announced, she had mixed feelings, but she enjoyed the film. She stated that Disney removed racist tropes from the film and casted actual actors of Middle Eastern and North African origin instead of brown-facing. But she questioned the Orientalist depiction of the Far East, that Disney traded explicit racism for cliched exoticism. The design of Agrabah is textbook example of Oriental fantasy. The production designer Gemma Jackson even talked about picking things from different Middle Eastern and North African culture and using them as she pleased in the production design. A white designer once again, like we have seen in the Mulan episode, completely disregard the context and significance of other cultures. She also pointed out problems with casting. By erasing distinctions of Middle Eastern and North African cultures, it feels like Disney and the film industries are saying, brown is brown. Opportunities for Middle Eastern actors are already so scarce. For them to not have a chance to be a part of a positive Middle Eastern project is stripping away the importance of the film. She concluded that the solution to the problem of Orientalism and the lack of interpretations is tell more diverse stories, hire more diverse creatives, and cast more diverse talents. Yes. Preach. I can show you the world Shining, shimmering, splendid Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes Take you wonder by wonder Over sideways and under On a magic carpet ride A whole new world A new fantastic point of view No one to tell us no Or where to go Or say we're only dreaming Okay, now my favorite part. Let me tell you how I feel about the films. After seeing the two films recently, I can definitely see why most critics thought the remake was just fine. However, I disagreed that the remake didn't bring anything new to the table. The remake did add new things that added more layers and have the characters have more mature motivations and make the motivations make more sense. For Aladdin's character, the first thing we see of him is roaming the streets and him almost being conned by two women and he steals their stuff in return to sell for food. 
Instead of him stealing bread and escaping the guards immediately, this way Alan's character has less of a negative image of a thief but rather a man trying to make most of his life. He wouldn't have stolen from the woman if she didn't try to steal from him first. Even so, he gave away his food to the poor children who needs it more than him. However, I'm just gonna say it. Alan tried to catfish Jasmine. Plus, he has a fixated image of what a prince should be and look like. This goes for both versions of Alan. He had many chances to tell Jasmine who he really is, especially right after the song A Whole New World, when Jasmine questions who he really is and has already found out Prince Ali and Latin are the same person through her wits. He could have told her the truth right then and there, but how will the movie continue, am I right? Genie's magic is only a facade. He said that himself. He can only make Alan look like a prince. Yet, Alan is still not satisfied with that. He doesn't realize that Genie cannot make him who he is not. He has to be himself in order to actually get what he wants, or else everything he has gotten will not stay his if he doesn't stay true to himself. Of course, Alan needs to learn that through the movie. Jasmine's character changed the most. Instead of wanting to marry for love and have the freedom to choose, Jasmine wants to be a leader and take care of the people of Agrabah. She snuck out of the palace to see her people. This makes more sense for an actual princess, that there is a sense of responsibility and duty to her country than more than just being pretty and waiting to be married off to a man. The law that prevents Jasmine from doing what she wants is also changed. In an animated film, she has to marry a prince before her next birthday. However, in the live-action film, she wants to become a sultan but her country does not have a precedent and therefore she needs to marry a prince in order to become the ruler. Her changed motivation make her more than just an accessory to men. She knows she is capable and she also has the heart to decide what is best for Agrabah. She shows courage and strength. Her storyline is very relatable to women even for nowadays. Jasmine also has a solo song in the remake. I will be Throughout the movie, she was told by Jafar that a princess does not need to be heard, but she will not be rendered speechless. She was able to convince Hakim, the head of the palace guards, that title is just title. He chooses to serve the people who are worthy of his service, not just anyone who holds the title of sultan. Her speech about whether Hakim will stay silent or not is also very much a speech to herself. That she will not stay silent and let her father, Jafar, or anyone else tell her what she can or cannot do. Because at this point of the story, she realized that if she stays silent, no one else will be able to do anything about it. Her change should definitely be applauded, but the ending is inconsistent with her character arc. I know the movie is called in Latin, but having a Latin and Jasmine marry at the end kind of beats the purpose of Jasmine going through all the odds to become Sultan. Moving on, even Jafar was added more depth. He was kind of given a backstory. In a 1992 film, Jafar just wanted to be Sultan and be the most powerful man. Just like any other villain you can see on the streets. 
However, in the remake, you can see his motivation stems from a poor past. When he was recruiting Aladdin to go retrieve the lamp, he revealed that he was once like Aladdin, even showing off his light finger skills in multiple occasions. He is the one who stole the lamp from Aladdin in the remake instead of Iago in the original film. He was able to steal his way up to a vizier, but he still wants more. Since he is not born into royalty, he cannot be sultan, therefore will always be second. You can see in the film that the word second definitely triggers Jafar, which ultimately led his greed to his imprisonment in the lamp as an all-powerful genie. However, I gotta say, the Jafar in the animated film looks and sound way eviler than the remake. The live-action Jafar is kind of unimpressionable, if you ask me. A minor character who also received drastic change was the Sultan, Jasmine's father. In the remake, the Sultan became more protective of Jasmine after his wife's death. He also shed the derpy personality that he had in the animated film. He is more serious and wants to marry his daughter to gain a strong alliance for Agrabah and thus securing Jasmine's safety. The royal members of Agrabah all became more aware of their position in their kingdom, and they all want to do more for the city. Now, the core of the movies. Genie. Robin Williams versus Will Smith. Although the two genies are similar in appearance and power, they differ in delivery. Will Smith was praised for bringing his own personality to the character, but Robin Williams was iconic as the blabbering genie. When addressing the issues regarding merchandises in an interview, Robin Williams said, The image is theirs, but the voice, that's me. I gave them myself. The character Genie made Aladdin, and Genie was essentially Robin Williams himself. When I was watching the 1992 version, I smiled at his impressions and reminisced all the times Robin Williams had brought laughter and joy to my childhood. And I know this goes for a lot of people. So I think no matter who or how the new genie was written and being performed, they cannot win. Okay, just hear me out. If genie was done exactly based on Robin Williams, it would be criticized as unoriginal. If some elements were kept and some were added, which the remake took this path, it still feels like a ripoff. If genie was done completely different from the original, it would be criticized as not keeping to the original. I'm just guessing, but no matter what, no win. So I think Will Smith did his best bringing us his own rendition of Genie, especially during the song Friend Like Me. Can your friends go? Oh. Oh. I'm the genie of the land. I can sing rap dance if you give me a chance. Oh. Don't sit there, buggy eyed. I'm here to answer all your midday prayers. Smith showed off his musicality. The original Genie's quality of changing form constantly was also omitted, which is a trait that made Genie such a fun character. Smith's Genie only had an additional of, I think, three other forms on top of his blue smoky look. Moreover, I don't get the added love storyline for Genie. Genie's motivation was always to be free from the shackles of being a Genie. For the end of both films, Aladdin used his last wish to set the Genie free. In the animated version, Genie remains a genie but no longer needs a master and is able to see the world himself. In the remake, Genie was smitten with Jasmine's handmaiden Dahlia. When Aladdin makes his last wish, Genie becomes human and marries Dahlia. They have kids and travel the world together. 
It's nice to see Jeannie leading a normal life, but that got me questioning. What was wrong with Jeannie's original ending? Was it just me who thought it was awkward and too intentional to give Jeannie a companion? Yeah, it seems like Jeannie and Dahlia was love at first sight, but they went on a stroll and that's it. Wedding bells. The message that Jasmine gave about not staying silent is great, but the two female characters both ended up with marriage, which feels a little retrospective. A happy ending can be delivered without characters marrying. Exhibit A, Princess Anna and Kristoff from the Frozen franchise. They took their time developing their relationship before taking the next step into marriage. Personally, I don't think Aladdin and Jasmine's marriage should have happened that soon. But hey, I guess that's the fairy tale ending that still works for everyone. In conclusion, a whole new world? We weren't delivered one. The movie is fine, the remake is fine, but it's definitely overshadowed by its predecessor. And that's all we have today. While we're on the subject of Robin Williams, our next episode will be on Jumanji. We are deviating from our friend Disney and looking into a reboot and direct sequel that is 22 years apart from the original 1995 Jumanji film. Thank you for listening. An episode will be released bi-weekly. Stay tuned for future episodes on more Disney remakes. I also have more plans for the Oceans Trilogy and Oceans 8 and Old Boy. If you have any suggestions for future topics, you can find us on Instagram at reimagined underscore pod. Thanks again for listening. Hope you will come back for future episodes.